Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I want to introduce our speaker tonight. We're starting a new series in the month of August, and you're going to be hearing from a few different speakers. Um, but we're starting a series on biblical characters, and you're going to hear uh, some about some Bible characters. Maybe you're familiar with them. Maybe some you are not as familiar with them. But uh, tonight, to kick off this series, we're very, very excited to have uh, Braylon Soto, who is going to speak to us tonight. And uh, it has been an absolute joy to have Braylon Soto with us at the Calvary Church. She has been an exceptional uh, just a uh, minister to us and a facilitator of different things at the church. And she has worked in children's and youth and administration in all kinds of areas, many things. I don't even know what she's done. And that's sad to say. No, she's been working directly with Teresa Prophet in administration. Teresa could give you a long list of things she's been working on, but she's been helping our music team and has done an exceptional job. I, I, wasn't, I was watching live with you all on Sunday. I was uh, ministering in Wisconsin, her home state, uh, ministering there, and they're an hour behind. So I was able to catch the service on Sunday, and she did a fantastic job, not just singing, but she led in that service. And I've been so impressed with her, love her family dearly. And so next week, she'll be speaking to the youth uh, and that will be really her last service next Wednesday. So this Sunday and next Wednesday will be our last service. And so I just want her to know from me how much we have appreciated you being at the Calvary Church and are very honored that you would choose Calvary to be the place that you came for your summer internship this year. So we're going to give her a warm Calvary welcome tonight. You may be seated. Aw, that was so nice. That was so sweet. <laughs> um, I mean, I have to just give honor where it's due while I have the mic, because I don't think I'll get to do this again in front of everyone. But you guys are blessed with the best pastors ever. They are so wonderful. Go ahead, give them a clap. They have been so kind to me and not just investing in me as a minister and investing into my dreams, but they've invested into who I am as a person and in my future. And I am so grateful for them and just welcoming, welcoming me into their home and into the church. It's been so amazing, so incredible. I've learned so much. And I also have to give some honor and thanks to Sister Diana Reed and Teresa Prophet for, yes, they're amazing, for just investing into me and working with me in the office and teaching me. And I'm so grateful to them. Um, so as Brother Tom said tonight, we're going to be kicking off the series of Bible characters. And I am not a preacher. I do not call myself a preacher. I'm really casual, and I know tonight's just a Wednesday night, and it's casual. But I do believe that God has laid something on my heart, and it's not just something that I feel like was meant just to share with you, but this is something that impacted me in my life. And I can personally say that 
this, what I'm about to share with you, has impacted me too. And so I'm speaking to myself. So really quick, um, we're just going to get right into it. I'm tonight going to be speaking on the life of Ruth. I love Ruth. She's one of my favorites. I They were asking me to speak tonight, and she was the first person that came to my mind. I was like, I'm going to talk about Ruth because I love her. So we're going to look at Ruth, and we're going to look at her life. And I know that we're specifically supposed to be talking about character and who she was, but I fully believe that who Ruth was was molded and shaped by her story and what she went through. So we're going to be journeying through her journey, and I've categorized three main points from who Ruth was in her story that we should focus on tonight, and I believe that it's going to be very impactful. So tonight, we are going to be first talking about how Ruth surrendered herself to her lo- and her loyalty to God, Second, committing to serve no matter what. And thirdly, allowing God to bring her her kinsman redeemer. So let's start from the beginning, shall we? Let me start my timer. Ruth 1, 1 through 5, if you want to open it up in your Bible or you can look at the screen if they put it up. Either way is okay. I cheat a lot too and I look at the screen. Ruth 1, verses 1 through 5 says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name, the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi, and I hope I get these names right, and the names of his two sons were Malin and Chilion, and they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons, and these took Moabite wives, and the names of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malin and Chilion died, so that the women were left without two sons and their husbands. Now, in Ruth chapter 1, we quickly quickly step into an unfortunate and trying situation right off the bat. And if it were up to me to name the chapters, I would call this one tragedy and death. And that's it. Because it's tragic and there's a whole lot of death. And so that's what I would name it. And we get into it and it just starts off with this sorrowful hurt and this pain from Naomi losing her husband and the two wives losing their husbands. And it's just terrible. And so we first read about Ruth's family. We read about Elimelech and Naomi's two sons. And I want to point out that it said that this was during the days when the judges ruled. Now, when I first read this, I was not 100% familiar with what that meant. But after doing further research, that basically was during the time when there was no king in Israel. There was no king, and everyone did pretty much what was right in their own eyes. So it was just complete chaos. And if you take what we learned from this last year and the chaos that we lived in, you can take that times 10, and that's what they lived through. And not only were they living through that, but there was also a famine in Bethlehem. So it's crazy, and there's no food. And funnily enough, the name Bethlehem actually translates and means house of bread. So the house of bread was out of bread. So this family, in their famine, moves away from Bethlehem, the, the house of bread, the place of promise, in order to find food. And so they move to a land called Moab. 
And Moab is a Gentile nation. Now, the Bible says that they weren't planning on staying in Moab. They were going to just go for food and come back to the land of the promise, the land of bread. But we read that they ended up settling there for quite a while. And we know this because Elimelech dies and leaves Naomi with their two sons. And the two sons find wives. They're settled there. They're living there. And so the two wives that they took up, we read, were Orpah and Ruth. And these were Moabite women. And then while they were living there, we also read that the two husbands pass away, the two sons. So we're left with Naomi and the two daughters, the two Moabite daughters-in-law. And as we keep reading, we see that Naomi actually hears that there is a harvest in Bethlehem. So she goes, well, you know, it would probably be a good idea just to take up all of our things and go back to Bethlehem because they have food and we're going to live off of the harvest that they have there. And so they get up and they go. But on the way there, Naomi kind of has an epiphany. And this is what she says to the two daughters-in-law. She says, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and they wept. Now, Naomi is pretty much saying, look, you are two Moabite women. I'm going back to Bethlehem where we serve the one true God. There is nothing there for you. I'm, I'm finished with you guys. You should be finished with me. My sons are dead. And she's like, I can't have a son today and you can't wait for him to grow up and you can't marry him. So you might as well just go back to Moab, right? And so Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law is like, you know, she's kind of got a point. She's weeping and crying, but she stops and she's like, Mm, yeah, you right. You right. So she gets up, she takes her things and she's like, I'm going to go back to Moab. I'm going to start over. I'm going to go to where I'm comfortable with the people that I know with the God that I serve. And hopefully I can figure it out. I can take this into my hands. I can figure it out. But Naomi and Ruth are left alone. And Ruth, on the other hand, was not going to be moved. Horpa and Ruth are there and Ruth talks to Naomi after weeping and crying and trying to argue with her. And she finally says, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you for where you go. I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more if anything but death parts me from you. Now this is a little, this is extra. But I understand where she's coming from. She's like, look, I am not finished with you. I'm not done with you. I'm going to go with you no matter what it takes. And this leads us into the first thing I want to focus on about the character of Ruth is that she surrendered herself and her loyalty to Naomi and Naomi's God. And this is the first thing we learned from her. Oftentimes, I feel that we're faced with famine, and I know I've been through this. We immediately want to cling to our own understanding and remain where it's comfortable. But look at what Ruth did. Something about Naomi and the God that she served enamored Ruth. Ruth was not a... She did not worship the same God until she had married her husband. Even then, she didn't worship the same God. She worshiped and came from a culture that served a God called Shamash. And 
Shamash was a subduer. To worship him meant that you had to be taken into captivity. You were in bondage. You were beneath him. You were nothing in the eyes of this God. So I can understand why it was easy for Ruth to recognize a good, loving, faithful, just God when she was face-to-face with him in this situation. And so she recognized that. And she said, I want to go with you. I want to serve your God. I'm not going to leave because she, she recognized that this God was bigger than she was. And she wanted to remain loyal to that. And she really didn't even understand this God. She didn't understand where Naomi was getting her profound faith from. But she recognized that there was something so special about it. And that she had a better chance with them rather than returning home and trying to do things on her own with her own power. Sometimes it can be easy to lose sight of God when we're struggling through a spiritual famine. I know that to be true because I've faced that. Maybe you've lost a job or you've lost a loved one or you may be struggling financially or with insecurity and with pain. Whatever it may be, I want to let you know that God is calling you to remain loyal to him no matter what. We are called to surrender to his ways even when we don't understand. Even when you don't know where it's going, you don't know where the point is. Naomi, or Ruth, did not know what was going to happen if she went with Naomi. She was not guaranteed a future. She was not guaranteed security, but she trusted. And she leaned on things that were not in her own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. She chose to lean on God's understanding. I want to challenge you not to move away from the promises of God during your famine. Remain loyal, and he will reward you for that. And going back to that original point, that something inside Ruth knew this. She knew she had to commit. She knew she had to remain loyal and hope for a future, and she was captivated by God. Captivated. That's one of my most favorite words, and I was listening to a podcast, and they used that word to refer to explain Ruth and her newfound love for God. She was captivated by him. And I want to ask you a question really quickly. Are you captivated with God? I have to ask myself this. When was the last time you took time to think about how good he is or about how capable he is? And he challenged me to ask myself this question or just to remind myself not to get too comfortable in a land that was not meant for your promises. You are not meant to be in Moab. You were meant to be in Bethlehem, where the promises are, where the bread is. Go back to the place of promise. And so the second thing that we would, that I recognize from Ruth and that I think we should focus on is arriving, or the second part of her story was arriving in Bethlehem and getting to the field. And so Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem together. And I can imagine, I like to personalize characters from the Bible and just think about, you know, what they were like in real person. And I can just imagine Naomi and Ruth, you know, walking along and they had this big discussion and Ruth is like, I'm going to go with you because I love you and I love God. And they're walking and Naomi looks over at Ruth and she's still confused and She's like, I don't understand why she is here with me or why she's doing this, but, you know, we're just going to go with it. And I can imagine Ruth just looking over at her and just smiling, giving a thumbs up, and being like, yep, this is going to work out. I have a good feeling about this. And so they're walking, they're traveling along, and they get to Bethlehem, 
And verse 19 of chapter 1 literally says, the whole town was stirred because of them. They caused a big ruckus coming in town, okay? TCC, when you decide to defy the odds of your situation, let me just tell you, somebody's going to get stirred up. And that's okay. God tells us about that in the Bible, how people are going to be angry at our faith. People are going to look at you funny and be like, what are they doing here? You are going to stir someone up. And that's exactly what Ruth did by defying those odds. Because when you show up where you're not supposed to, that's just uncommon. But that's what we do. And that's what Ruth did. Ruth 2, 1 through 3 reads that Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went out and gleaned in the field after the reapers that she happened. And it goes on and on and on. So Ruth gets there. And the very first thing that she does is she goes to the harvest. She goes to the field. She goes out to gather grain to save herself and Naomi. And this is the second character trait that I want to focus on is that she chose to serve no matter what. She committed to serve no matter what. It's one thing for a Moabite to come to Bethlehem and live there. And we read that she caused a whole ruckus doing that. But going and working among the fields was probably unheard of. She was probably not going to be welcomed there. It was very unlikely for someone like her to do that. But she wasn't going to wait for something to happen. She wasn't going to get there and say, you know, I'm going to lay low. And if she would have done that, nobody would have questioned it. I wouldn't have questioned it. But she got up and she went to the field. Oftentimes we try to justify that the weight of the journey that we've been on means that we're not required to get out and serve. I know that it can be super easy, very easy to wallow in defeat after you've made that long journey from Moab to Bethlehem, from pain to pain, heartache to heartache. And most people, like I said before, would have expected Ruth to get to Bethlehem and do nothing because she can't do anything. She's not one of them. She's not welcome there. But God called her to get to the field and do what she knew to do. And I believe that God is calling us to do the same thing. Sometimes our blessings will only come after we've done all that we can. And sometimes I get confused with that concept because we sing songs about waiting on the Lord and we know that he's strong and he's able and he's mighty and he's going to make a way for us. But sometimes receiving what God has for you might require vulnerability. You might be required to go out to the field where you're not welcome, but God sees that. And how encouraging is that? He knows. He knows when you go out to the field, when you work, and nobody sees it, and you're not welcome. He knows, and he will reward that. He blessed it for Ruth, and I believe he'll bless that for us. And it just so happens that the field that Ruth was working in was owned by Boaz. Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer, if you're not familiar with that term, is a male relative that has responsibility of helping a relative that is in need or in danger. That was Naomi and Ruth's kinsman redeemer. And I want to tell you, you may feel like you're stuck in this place where you feel like you aren't progressing and things aren't getting any better. But I encourage you, go out to the field and serve because the Lord will bring you your kinsman redeemer, which is him. We are called 
to serve. And sometimes I have to ask myself these questions of what I'm doing this for. Who am I doing this for? Because I forget. And I'm sure Ruth forgot. And there were times where she went out to the field and she was like, ugh, why am I doing this? She was doing it for God, someone that was bigger than her, someone that was going to take care of her, her kinsman redeemer. I've had times where I felt like I was stuck in a place and I was like, God, why do I have to be stuck here? Why do I have to be stuck in this part of the field? Why do I have to be here right now? Why This cannot be what you have for me. You know, I'm just going to be vulnerable. I've had times like that. But the reality is maybe sometimes that is what is, is meant for you for a moment. Maybe God needs you to get to the field and gather grain for a little bit before he can bless you. There was a time where I was stuck. There was tragedy in my family. One of my close friends passed away. The weights of life were just, ugh. They were falling and crashing right in front of my eyes. And I was so low. I was on my knees. I felt how I can only imagine Ruth felt during this story. She was lowly and she was like, ugh, I don't get it. I don't get why I have to be here. I don't get why I have to go through this pain. I don't understand it. And you know what God told me when I was on my knees and I was broken and I cried out to him? I was on my knees like Ruth was, gathering grain. And he said, Braylon, get up. That's it. He said, get up and do what you know to do. Get up and go to the field and serve me because I deserve it. He does deserve it. And because Ruth did this, she found favor in the eyes of Boaz. Because I trusted God in my situation, I found favor in the eyes of God when I needed it most. Boaz could have easily been repulsed at her and ordered her to leave. But rather, God blessed Ruth in the eyes of Boaz. He didn't turn her away or mistreat her in her vulnerability. He was amazed at her. He was amazed at her faith and her loyalty to Naomi and to God. And this leads me to the third part of the story, which was allowing God to bring her her kinsman redeemer. The sweetest part of the story. Chapter 2, verse 8 through 13 reads, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or to leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her and said, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been faithfully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know. 
given you by the Lord, the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So this happens. She comes from the field and she tells Naomi of everything that happened. I can imagine this happening too. She comes in and she's like, I did what I was supposed to. I caught the eye of Boaz, and I'm sure they were, like, freaking out, you know, like two girls talking about their crush and all that stuff. And so Boaz ends up blessing her and telling, he tells his workers to leave clusters of grain for her, all because she stood out to him in her willingness to serve and her willingness to work. That blessed her. That caught his eye, caught his attention. Now... Ruth and Naomi are in their home, and they're like, all right, we got through that phase of the plan. Now we need to get to the next one. And this next part sounds a little sketchy, but I promise that it's important. So Ruth 3, 1 through 4, we'll go into this part. It says, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? It's not Boaz, our relative, with whose young women you were. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Amen. Do not confront a hungry man. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and cover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Now, if you didn't catch it, Naomi tells her to do three things. And this was profound to me. I'm not going to lie. First, she tells her to wash herself clean. Second, she tells her to change her clothes out of her widow's clothes and position her, thirdly, at Boaz's feet in complete vulnerability. Vulnerable, yeah, vulnerability. That's a tough word. So she tells her, you have to do these things before we go through with this plan. This is very important. So let's take a closer look at what she said. First, she said she needed to wash herself clean and put on perfume, or in other words, like in this version, it said she anointed herself. I got a lot out of this because what I read from that is in order to move forward in God's promise, you have to wash yourself clean of the grime, of your hurts, of your pain, of your defeat. It's hard. It's hard. I can tell you when you've got things from your past, you've got hurts that you're carrying for so long. It's hard to want to let that go because it's comfortable. You identify with it. But she had to be washed. She had to clean herself. She had to put on a new fragrance, an anointing, in order to be presentable for Boaz. And shameless plug, nowadays, the way that you clean yourself is you get baptized in Jesus' name. So if there's somebody here that has not been baptized in Jesus' name, I'm just telling you, you need to do that. It's very important. Next, she challenged her or told her, that she needed to change her clothes. And she told her to put on her best outfit. Now, Naomi, or Ruth, I'm so sorry, I'm getting confused with their names. Ruth was a widow. So she wore widow's clothes. She was mourning her husband. And so in order to catch the eye of Boaz, she wasn't going to roll up in her dark 
unattractive clothes that are meant for a widow. She had to put on her best garment. She didn't want to be known as a widow anymore. Some of us are wearing stuff that defines us with our past. You're still mourning over who you used to be. You're still wearing clothes of bondage, of chains, of baggage, and you don't want to take them off. But God is calling us to rid ourselves of our past. You have to be willing to part ways with your former identity and put on new clothing. He has made us a new creation. And Ruth understood this, that she wasn't going to be seen as a widow. She wasn't going to be seen with her past. She said, I'm available. I'm available for my kinsman redeemer to come in and save me. You are not meant to be lonely and widowed. You have to prove to God that you are available and that you are ready for him to come in as your kinsman redeemer. And last, we see that Ruth, after washing herself and changing her clothes, she places herself at the feet of Boaz. Now, Ruth 3, 7 says, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid down. Now, what did Boaz do when he saw Ruth laying at his feet? He put his blanket over her. This has a lot in it. It meant a lot that he put his blanket over her. Because what he was saying is that he was ready to become her kinsman redeemer. He was ready to protect her. He was ready to take care of her. He said, I put my blanket over you of protection because you are mine now. You are my responsibility. And I'm giving you my word to take care of you. And God wants to do the same thing for us. He wants to be our kinsman redeemer. But are you willing to lay yourself at the feet of Jesus first? Are you willing to clean yourself Are you willing to change your clothes, change your identity, and lay yourself in vulnerability at his feet, not knowing what was going to happen? Ruth did that. She did that. She didn't have anyone to read after. We're reading after this all happened. She did that on her own. Boaz and Ruth ended up getting together, and they have a son named Obed, who is the great-grandfather of King David. Some of us might be able to recognize that King David is in the lineage of Jesus. So it's profound to me that Ruth's decision to surrender and commit to serve and allow God to bring her her kinsman redeemer, her promise, led to the fulfillment of an either even bigger promise, which was Jesus' birth. And there are so many things from the story of Ruth that we can learn from But like I said before, when I went through that that trying time in my life this last year, I read this story and God challenged me with those three things, to commit and remain loyal and serve him no matter what and remain in vulnerability and just let him come into my life. And I want you to know that if you are coming here tonight and you're facing something, take this story as an encouragement. You don't have to carry that brokenness. And there are going to be times when you don't know. Ruth didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know. But God was faithful to her. He was loyal to her. And if you remain loyal to him, he'll remain loyal to you. 
even if you aren't loyal to him, he'll still be loyal to you. How good is that God? He's so good. I'm so thankful. And the beautiful thing about this book is that it explores the interplay of God's purpose. God's purpose is in everything. It's not just in the big things. It's not just in who you're going to marry. It's not just in what job you're going to have. It's in what you're doing in your daily life. It's in whether or not you read your Bible. His purpose is in every little thing. And I'm telling you, this was a wake-up call for me. And I hope it's a wake-up call for you. But if you have lost track of where you're at, and you've stepped away from Bethlehem, and you're maybe living and settling in Moab, away from the promises of God, maybe you're not reading your Bible every day, or you're not praying every day, get back to the promises. Get back to the little things. His purpose is in everything. And this book invites us to consider that. Consider what it might look like when we truly trust him. And we truly put all that we know in his hands. The story of Ruth is just one of many examples of what happens when you give God the pen. Just one. We have a whole Bible filled with things that can happen when you give him the chance to be your kinsman redeemer to take care of you. You don't have to take care of yourself. You're not going to be able to take care of yourself. Let me tell you that. I tried to do that. And it didn't work out. So in conclusion, in closing, we're going to go into our app time. And I want you to just turn to the person next to you. And I told you this is a really chill night. And there's not going to be a super crazy altar call. I'm just sharing my heart with you. But in closing... For the next couple of minutes, I want to leave you with these two questions. Just talk amongst yourself. Talk to the person next to you. Answer honestly. I promise it's going to be encouraging to one another if we answer these. But the first question is, when was a time that you trusted God blindly? And second, what commitments can you make in your everyday life to show loyalty to God? All right, Calvary, I'll invite you to conclude your discussion and we'll stand together. Was that not an excellent, epic Bible study by Sister Braylon? I talked to her today and I said, Braylon, have you done anything like this? She's like, no, not really. Well, could have fooled me because she is anointed and she is powerful. And so, but I do feel like the Lord has really spoken to us through her. And we would be remiss if we did not take this moment 
to prayerfully consider what God has spoken to you personally. I know that for me, she gave us so many amazing insights into the life of Ruth, but I would just ask you as we conclude in prayer tonight to think about the one thing that you really felt like God was speaking to you in surround sound, if you will, personally. And just take a moment and let that seed be planted deeply in your heart through prayer to say, God, my heart is totally open. What you're trying to show me, whether it's just being faithful while I'm waiting through this season, maybe I need to do better at being faithful, whatever it is you feel challenged by in the word of God, I want you to just conclude in prayer with me right now. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for the power of your word that even in a setting like this, you can say so many different things to every person here. And so God, I'm just praying that your word would find good ground in our heart. Lord, that we would not just hear it, but that we would receive it. And that through your spirit, Lord, it would bear fruit in our lives, Jesus. So whatever it is that you're saying to us, Lord, whatever you're challenging us with, maybe you're just encouraging us. God, I believe there are people here that you have offered assurance for them to keep going, to keep trusting that you have let someone know in this place that you see them, that you're with them, and you are going to take them to the other side of this season. Lord, whatever it is, we say amen. We receive your word with grateful hearts. Bless the person, Lord, who shared your word with us and pray your blessing upon her life and ministry. Be with us, Lord, as we go our separate ways and bring us back together in your house on Sunday, should you tarry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.